Please listen carefully. Hey, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Laura Farley. And I'm Kate Orslan. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. So today's topic is going to be on assistance animals. The first thing, Kate, I'm not sure if you saw on Facebook and other social media a couple of months ago, Daniel Turducken Stinkerbutt. That's not, that's not a real name. That, that is his real name. He is a duck that was flying around with his owner, I guess you might say, or his person. Some animals don't like to be owned, so it's his person. Was um, the person also flying? Yes. <laughs> the person was also flying. They were on an airplane. Okay, that makes more sense. And Daniel was wearing red booties and a diaper walking up and down the aisles of this plane. And there were pictures of Daniel all over the internet. And Daniel was an assistance animal for the human that he was flying on the airplane with. You know, I really don't care for birds, but Daniel Turducken Stingerbutt sounds pretty cute. Yeah, he was. The other fun assistance animal story that just recently was on Facebook that I saw, there was a seeing eye dog who went to every single law school class with his person, and he was awarded a Juris Dog Turret instead of a Juris Doctorate. That's so cute, and you know I'm always a sucker for a good pun. Yep, me too, especially when it's a legal one. So now that we've talked about two interesting particular assistance animals, let's talk about the basics of assistance animals today. In addition to that, we're going to discuss legal updates in Virginia that are effective on July 1st, 2017. This is a very important and complex issue that has some fair housing implications, and so we want to make sure that we're covering some basics, but we also want to make sure that we give the caution up front, and then we'll probably mention it several times. When you have a specific situation that arises, you should talk to an attorney that can go over that particular situation with you so that you're real careful and you don't get yourself in any trouble. Yeah, I think especially with the fair housing implications, you really want to be cautious about approaching any of the assistance animal issues just to make sure that you're crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's. Right, and you are meeting the reasonable accommodation standards. So let's talk about what is a service animal versus what is an assistance animal. Under the ADA, there's a very limited definition of a service animal, and that is either a dog who performs a service or a miniature horse. So I think first things, let's break that down, dogs who perform a service. So um, they're kind of trained to do work for an individual, such as alerting when seizures are, are approaching or a seeing um, eye dog seeing who can eye dog. guide. Or an animal that can go and retrieve something. Maybe if you have limited mobility, they'll pick something up for you. And then miniature horses come into context if the individual who has a disability needs assistance, but has, for example, a dog allergy. So instead of having a service dog, they can have a service miniature horse. And keep in mind, it's a miniature horse and not a pony. Ponies are little horses, but we're talking about the breed of a miniature horse. And the ADA is pretty explicit that other species of animals, whether they're wild or domestic, trained or untrained, are outside of the definition of a service animal under the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Assistance animals, on the other hand, is much broader and usually comes into play under the fair housing laws as opposed to the Americans with Disabilities. Okay, so what is an assistance animal? Now, I know it's not a pet. That's correct. It is not a pet. 
An assistant animal is an animal that works, provides assistance, or performs tasks for the benefit of a person with a disability, or provides emotional support that alleviates one or more identified symptoms or effects of a person's disability. So I would be correct in saying that a service dog is always going to be an assistant animal. Yes. But assistance animals will not always be service, service animals. Right. You could have... Uh, an emotional support cat or a comfort animal of some kind or a therapy animal. An assistance duck. Exactly. Exactly. Like Daniel. Those are all types of assistance animals. So as you said, a seeing eye dog is always going to be an assistance animal, but there will be other assistance animals that are not going to be service animals. Okay. That, That makes sense. The other thing that is a difference between them, an assistance animal does not have to be licensed or trained necessarily. So service dogs and miniature horses generally have specific training. They have been trained to do a particular task and assistance animals aren't always trained. Okay. Now, is there any type of verification that goes into having an assistance animal? Now, we know there's no necessary training, but how about on the verification front? Can we talk about that? Let's, yeah, let's talk about that. So In Virginia, beginning on July 1st, if the need for an assistance animal is not obvious or readily apparent, you, as the person who's receiving the request for a reasonable accommodation, may ask for verification about the individual's disability and what the disability-related need for the assistance animal is. So, for example, the the law student who had her seeing eye dog with her, the, the need for that animal was probably obvious when she came in. She you know, might have told them that she was blind, but or her actions may have indicated it. And then she had a dog with the harness and possibly a vest that said seeing eye dog or something like that. Sure. And in that case, a landlord or property manager would not have the right to ask for verification that this dog is needed for a specific reason. Right, exactly. Because in that case, the disability and the related need were both obvious. If one or the other is not obvious, then you can certainly ask for some additional verification. And that can be tricky because not all uh, disabilities are manifest in a in a way that's visual to any onlooker. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes even if the disability is visible or you can somehow identify or it's readily apparent just by looking at the individual, you may not always see the connection between the disability and the animal that they're asking to have as their assistance. Sure. Animal. So if um, an individual with visual impairment walks in with a uh, service dog to visually right. assist them, that would be obvious. Right. But if that person also, in addition to that service dog, also walked in with a duck. A duck, exactly. Like It might game. not be obvious, it, although you can determine why the individual might need the dog it may be more difficult to understand kind of the need for the duck right does is the duck assisting in some way due to the individual's um, seeing disability or is there another disability that maybe the duck is going to be accommodating and assisting and so with? in that example you could ask for verification on how the duck relates relates to your disability right exactly and just to be clear you are not the landlord general you the landlord are not able to just say say what's your disability you're that's not the question you're asking you're just asking how does this assistance animal relate or provide the service to you right you don't necessarily need to know what the disability is you need to know 
one, that they have a disability regardless of what it is, and then does this particular animal or accommodation they're asking for relate to that disability and assist that disability in some way? To know that nexus. Right, exactly. So let's talk about, since you can ask for verification in certain situations, who can provide that? Is, Is it anybody who can provide that or what? So I think we've all heard about those websites that will provide an individual with a certificate stating he or she needs an assistance animal. They kind of can log in, fill out a form, pay $100 or even less, and get a printed certificate saying this dog is an assistance animal. And this law was crafted with the intention to limit those not well-intentioned websites. Those are kind of crafted to get around the pet fee because, again... Assistance animals are not pets. Right, exactly. And so what the law in Virginia now says is that there needs to be somebody who has a therapeutic relationship, and it doesn't really define therapeutic relationship. It gives examples of people who might have a therapeutic relationship with the individual seeking the accommodation, but it's open-ended because we don't want to make it difficult for somebody who has a true disability to get into housing here in Virginia. And so some of the examples are medical professionals who have a valid certificate. So if somebody is a doctor and they have been, they've had their medical license revoked, then obviously they're not. A note from that individual won't be valid. Right, exactly. But it could be a doctor, it could be a therapist, it could be a counselor, it could be a nurse. And so they've tried to word the law very broadly to encompass all of these. And because we're not only worried about um, the service providers in the United States, it could be somebody coming from abroad you want to make sure we don't necessarily know what license or certificate or whatever is going to be applicable from another country. Sure. And and the concern there is that there, you absolutely don't want there to be a barrier to individuals being able to obtain the housing they need with the assistance animals that they require in order to function on a regular basis. Right. So you, the law does not require that the um, individual providing this the verification have has a license valid in Virginia, just a valid license. Wherever it is that they're practicing. Right. So if the person is a doctor who's licensed in California, but they are currently residing in New York and they were treating the patient in New York, but they don't have a New York medical license, that could be problematic. Right. But if the service was provided in California where the doctor was pra- practicing and licensed, then that's not a problem. And of course, I mentioned those websites where you just fill out a form. The law doesn't preclude you know, if you're having video conference calls with your therapist, right, that, for that example. Right, that new telemedicine. Right. That would still, that individual is, has a thera- established therapeutic relationship with you, so they would still be able to right. provide an individual with a disability the verification that's necessary right, in order to um, get approval for that assistance animal. Right. Um, and, and like we've been focusing on medical professionals, but, you know, the, the law also lists other people such as a government entity that may be aware of the disability. It also talks about um, support groups for people with that particular disability as long as no money is paid, um, either required or expected or anything like that. So that if it is a particular disease and there's a support group and somebody from that support group can, you know, that has an ongoing relationship and they can attest to yes, this person has a disability, and yes, this animal assists in that need. So it's pretty broad-based for individuals who have disabilities in order to make sure that, again, there's not that barrier into obtaining and securing housing. Right, and there's two reasons for that. The first one is obviously, you know, we want to be inclusive here in Virginia. We want to make it easy for people to come live here. Um, But the other thing is 
that the federal fair housing laws and the federal Americans with Disabilities Act are going to trump anything that the state passes. And so if, um, you know, if the federal government were to determine that this law in, in Virginia somehow violated either of those two federal laws, the law would be struck down. And so we want to try and help provide guidance and clarity to people here in Virginia without running afoul of the, of the federal laws. So for those of you that would love to see this um, much more tight or strict or clear about who it is that can provide that information, there are reasons why. And that's something that would actually probably need to be changed at the federal level before we could kind of tighten it down here in Virginia. Sure. So let's take it to the legal hotline. Yeah, we've had members submitting questions over the last few weeks and months about service animals and assistance animals. Um, we're going to answer these questions. They may not be how we answered them when the person contacted us on the hotline, but we're going to answer them under the new law that's going into effect on July 1st. Um, so the first question is, can I restrict the type of assistance animals allowed in a rental property to animals that are licensed by the county in which the rental property is located? We absolutely do not recommend that uh, for a number of reasons, but primarily counties license various animals. I know, Laura, where you yep. live, they don't even license cats. Exactly. You can only get a dog license. As a landlord or property manager, you're going to have a really hard time justifying why you will not allow someone to have a um, assistance cat. Right. Uh, and I know a lot of people were trying to use that as an objective way of ruling out exotic animals because the concern was somebody might ask to have a an emotional support cheetah and that obviously could create problems and so the easy way of handling that would say oh sorry county doesn't license cheetahs so you can't have one but because they don't even license you know domestic tabby cats in some jurisdictions that could be problematic Mm -hmm. um what about you know breed restrictions like i know that some um houses housing units will say no pit bulls right and what if I have an assistance pit bull? Right. And and we are hearing that a lot. There are a lot of people who have um, what are considered dangerous breed dogs that that is their, uh, their service animal or their assistance animal or their emotional support animal. And one of the things that the law talks about is that an unreasonable accommodation. So you're required to make a reasonable accommodation. And so the law talks about it, something that would be unreasonable is if there's a significant increase in the insurance costs of the landlord. So if the landlord, their insurance company says, well, we won't insure the property if there's a dangerous breed living there. Um, so you cannot have insurance. And it turns out that the landlord is unable to obtain any insurance on the property because of a dangerous breed. Well, then that may well be an unreasonable accommodation in that situation. But keep in mind that if it's a nominal increase of like $10 a month, that's not going to be enough. And if there are insurance carriers out there that would cover even with that particular breed, um, I have a feeling the Fair Housing Board would say, or the, or the VREB, you know, in a fair mm-hmm. housing case would likely say, okay, yeah, maybe your preferred company is ABC, but XYZ would have insured the property for not a significant significant increase. So just because your preferred insurance carrier isn't going to cover you doesn't mean that it's going to be an unreasonable accommodation. And so this would be a really great example of why when you have a request that you're not sure whether you can reasonably accommodate it, it's a it's really imperative that you consult with an attorney who can provide you with advice and guidance on 
fair housing and assistance animals. Right. And because you are required to engage in an interactive process. So when somebody comes to you and says, I want to have a, I need a reasonable accommodation and here's the accommodation I'm asking for, you don't automatically have to give them that accommodation if there is, if that is unreasonable, but you do need to engage with them in this, in this interactive process to see if you can find a reasonable accommodation. So Kate, here's another question for you. I know I can't charge a pet fee for an assistance animal, but can I charge for damages that the assistance animal causes in the unit? So that's correct. You absolutely cannot charge a pet fee for an assistance animal because say it with me now, assistance animals are Are not not pets. But payment for property damage is not a pet fee. You can charge for damages that the assistance animal causes in the rental unit and our standard form addendum, the Virginia Realtors Assistance Animal Addendum, has explicit language that requires the tenant to assume liability for all damages caused by the assistance animal. Right. And I just want to clarify that you cannot charge a deposit up front because you can charge a pet deposit, but you cannot charge an additional deposit for an assistance animal. Anything that would make it more difficult for the person with the disability to rent the unit than somebody without a disability, that cannot go into effect. So you can't get the extra deposit up front, but if there are damages, you can certainly recoup on the back end. So we kind of touched on this earlier, but can a renter have multiple assistance animals? Yes, there's absolutely no legal limit at this time on the number of assistance animals that an individual may have. As long as every single one of the animals has a tie to their their disability. So for example, an individual may require the use of a dog for assistance with vision and also a dog for uh, to help alert to seizures or low, low blood sugar if they have diabetes. But mm-hmm. if you get to the point where somebody says, I need 15 dogs for emotional support, and it's all 15 of them are providing the exact same assistance. That might not be a reasonable accommodation. Exactly. But again, consult your attorney before taking any action. And get involved in that interactive process. So what can you do to limit your risk? I think, first of all, consult an attorney. Second of all, remember that an assistance animal is not a pet. And the reason we've now said that at least three times in this podcast is a lot of people assume that they, because it's a furry four-legged animal, it's a pet. It's It's not. not. Have a written policy on how to handle assistance animals and train your staff or office. You can share this podcast with them so that they're aware of some um, of the implications and just increase their education. Right. The other thing, and this is the thing that's really important to attorneys, document, 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 document. Send all of your notices in writing and communicate with tenants in writing so that you can demonstrate I tried to engage with them. I, you know, I, I was in this interactive process. I communicated with them. We went back and forth. I requested this information that was never provided or they provided it and we went back and forth and asked for more, so on. Document, document, document. And make sure you advertise with the fair housing symbol that creates presumption that you're trying to engage in providing fair housing. Right, that You exactly. want to comply with the laws. It is, of course, not... Um, a guarantee, but guarantee. it is it provides that rebuttable presumption. Yes. So I'll say it again. I already said this, but consult your attorney if you have questions. They'll they'll give you the personalized legal advice to nav- help you navigate through these situations. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates. When we have new episodes, you can search for Virginia Realtors and you'll find us. As a member of Virginia Realtors, you have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. 
you can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We may note warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2017. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license.